now. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm your host, Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, a boutique firm that is home to over 30 real estate sales and marketing agents who service home buyers and home sellers throughout Boston, the South Shore, the South Coast, and Cape Cod. Our firm takes pride in assisting our clients in the next chapter of their lives by taking a holistic approach to their real estate endeavors. We believe that every move should be a moving experience. Every week, my co-host Melissa Wallace and I will provide you with my team's unique marketing approach to selling homes and share with you our expertise in navigating the home buying process. We value the experience of our agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so much that not only will you hear my perspective on real estate topics, occasionally you will hear the expert thoughts and opinions of our experienced agents at Boston Connect Real Estate. Be a part of our roundtable. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts at Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with me at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all my South Shore neighbors. This is Sharon McNamara. You are, of course, listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable, and we are live tonight. Um, I just need everybody in Clubhouse to mute themselves, please, because we are live and I have Larry that's in the house tonight in WATD Studios. Hey, Larry. Hey, Sharon. How you doing? Good. We haven't worked together in a while. No, we've both been uh, busy so yeah. far this year. It feels, feels like three months have gone by already, but we're still in the early stages of uh, February. So I know, but you know what? It's interesting because I was talking to a new client. I'm going to be getting a new listing in um, Quincy, mm-hmm. and we were going over everything. And I was like, okay, well, let me see. I'm going to, I'll call the photographer after my show tonight. I'll see if he can do, you know, get our pictures maybe the 22nd, 23rd, and then we'll go live the following week. And then our first open house will be March 3rd. <laughs> and I was like, where did the month go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And yeah. we get an extra day this this month, so oh yeah, it may be you may get a, may get a little confused moving yeah. forward. But hey, we're getting closer to spring. You know what? Every day, and you, have you noticed that though with the light? Like it does seem mm-hmm. lighter. You yeah. know what I mean at five o'clock. So um, again, to all of our listeners, I'm happy that I'm here on a Tuesday night. Usually, I'm not. Melissa is uh, at the Bruins game tonight, so uh, she's that's where she is. And I don't know if her mom is listening or not, but I heard it's her mom's birthday today. Oh, so happy, happy birthday. birthday! Yeah, it's also Jasmine Glasgow's birthday. Mm. So happy birthday to Jasmine! I mm. said happy birthday to her this morning as well, and. And then, Larry, I'm going to see mm-hmm. if you can, who is this person in the room with me right now? So go ahead, say something. Hey, Larry, how you been? <laughs> can't yeah. recognize the voice. No. I know, because she isn't on that often no. anymore. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let everybody know who you are. I know. I feel like I'm, I'm a, a legitimate, I'm a legitimate guest on the radio show these days. Um, it is Mary oh Horton my. now. Oh, wow. Um, so I haven't been on in quite some time. I've been letting these girls have fun while, you know, I'm, I'm, bust, I'm busting my <laughs> butt out there. <laughs> it might be, it might not be spring market yet, or I guess it, it almost is, but it's been really, bu- a really busy first two or a month and a half of the year. Yeah, it um, has been busy. 
Mm-hmm. So if anybody's watching us on Facebook Live, don't pay attention to how I look because <laughs> I look a ragged mess. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, you but, always look beautiful, please. Yeah, so I'm excited to be here tonight. Wait, wait a minute. Is that a sweatshirt you're wearing? I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm, dressed for the show, are we here? Uh, no, I am. Wow. I am dressed for not the show. Oh, I'm the winter, for the, the winter day. Yeah, <laughs> she's dressed for the radio. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always said that. I do yeah. better not on camera. I um, know. But yeah, so I'm excited to be here tonight because we're talking about one of the things that I think I love the most about mm-hmm. real estate, and we have a we have a passion in. Um, we're talking yeah. all things new construction, right? We are, yeah, and we actually have uh, Jasmine Glasgow is joining us as well as George Post. So uh, they are the co-owners. Right, right, mm-hmm. of Maritime Mortgage. And uh, they are joining us through Clubhouse now that Larry has gotten that all squared away for me and we're able to do that. I'm it so excited. So, it sounds so good on Clubhouse. I was saying that earlier. Yeah. It's just, that's it's awesome. Yeah, it sounds I've, great. I've tuned in a couple times. So, Jasmine, George, hello. Good evening. Wow, you are loud. That's good. <laughs> did that come through? Fa- Brilliant. You came in fast and furious. You sure did. So, George, why don't you uh, tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself? Uh, introduce yourself to everybody. Yes, thank you. First and foremost, thank you so much for having us. Uh, yes, I am a senior loan officer with Maritime Mortgage. I wish I was co-owner. <laughs> that would be Jasmine and Colin Brenner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Colin. Uh, Mary, you but, said but, it, yes. <laughs> but the bir- the big birthday girl, Jasmine, of course, right? Uh, but I, I am uh, George Post, who's mm-hmm. a li- licensed loan officer with Maritime Mortgage. And my I- I've got to get this out of the way, but my NMLS is 169-3795. Mm-hmm. And our company's license is two. 2708 because compliance is important and doing things by the book is certain, certainly important. And we'll dive into that, how it regards to new construction, of course, because mm-hmm. there's lots of important steps to get through. But yeah, I'm a um, local loan officer and I live here and situated here on the South Shore. A um, little bit of a small time real estate investor, a couple properties, but I love um, talking real estate and helping folks get, whether it's first time foot in the door or purchasing a beautiful new construction um just here to chat all things real estate That's come awesome. on george don't sell yourself short diy mortgage guy <laughs> <laughs> i know your instagram really, handle <laughs> yeah, and i want to dive in later we'll get into it but really you know the beauty of new construction and that you're really front loading all of that hot water tank roof and we'll dive into it i'm sure in a bit but there's so much brilliance in terms of financially of how like you're moving into a finished product that you're not going to have to tackle any of these items for knock on wood for quite some time. You could still do a little DIY when it comes to the finish work. You could still, yeah. you know, some people like to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. But maybe not the hot water tank. Yeah, no. definitely. Or, or the roof or the siding. <laughs> right, you, know. right. yeah. you don't have to put in new windows. I guess that's all all those things. Um, I was going to say something else about the mortgage. Yeah, we are definitely going to get into the mortgage aspect of things. Um, but to all of our listeners, I know Melissa does such a great job at this. But uh, if you are listening to WATD, not only can you call in with a question and Larry will send you over to us, but you can also send in text messages now uh, to the studio okay. and he is able to read them. Um, so many things have changed since yeah, the last time I, I was here. Well, that was just new this week. <laughs> Somebody actually sent it. Uh, sent, yeah, I can say it. I'm not going to say the person's name but somebody said oh just what i want to listen to is the life the personal life of sharon mcnamara (laughs) and here's the joy with real estate hey you know what here's the thing it's 
you know what? People will come up to me and ask me how my kids are because they I like to let people know who I am. That's exactly why you do the show. Yeah, exactly. Who so, you are as a real estate professional, but you also have a life. Yeah, so I'm just going to put that a little closer. But, you know, the thing is, is here's the great thing about the radio. You can always change the channel. We don't want you to, but um, certainly if you can't stand the, the sound of my voice, you should. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to torture you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, let's just say it was a listener who was also maybe in the same industry as me. But we had a nice conversation afterwards because, of course, I called him. And, <laughs> yeah, dude, never put it past you. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to know what what is it about me that irritates you. But anyways, enough about that. So you can call in and you can text 781-837-4900. You can also text me. My phone number is 781-294-4848. So feel free to do that as well. Uh, but we also are on Facebook. So you can see us Facebook Live if you go to Boston Connect Real Estate on Facebook. And we are also on Clubhouse. So uh, welcome to all of our Clubhouse listeners. And we have a couple people who are up on stage with us, uh, which is great. I know Jasmine, happy birthday. Are you there? I don't know if she's just listening and she, she just... probably is just listening. She's probably enjoying some birthday festivities and just wants she to... She should be, yeah. yeah Herman's, to, probably, be Herman's probably saying, I wonder why she has like an AirPod in her ear while we're he's <laughs> enjoying he's so dinner. used to it. Come on by now. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard there was a potential little Mohegan sun, but there's oh. a little wrinkle in the plants. Oh, that's good. Well, that's what the snow what? does to you. Yeah. She's walking around with one earbud in <laughs> trying to hide it behind her hair. <laughs> but Jasmine, happy birthday. We love you, of course. All right. So Mary, let's dig in. So new construction um, and two for our people in the audience. Um, I don't know, George, if you're good at this and maybe I can bring somebody else up too to help us as a moderator if anybody has questions that they specifically have regarding this topic. I have been talking on Clubhouse that I will, I'm happy to answer any of the questions that people may have uh, regarding new construction. I will say that Mary is now the pro. You have taken the baton and you've <laughs> taken off. So um, we definitely, you definitely know all things uh new construction so do you want to follow the agenda or what do you want to do what, what are your main thoughts on new construction well i think um so something that always comes to mind when we when we talk about anything new construction is actually when we started so sharon's giving me a lot of kudos right now um but about 13 years ago when i joined the office we started at one of her developments um in pembroke and i always say to people so i started my career learning new construction right off the bat and it was completely different than everything that we do today. Um, and, and I always say every builder is different, right? Every scenario is different. But new construction in itself is just a completely different beast than resale or residential real estate or, or your typical um, resale or used properties that you're selling. And it, had I not learned right off the bat that new construction or gotten that new construction bug, I don't think – I think it would be very intimidated by it. Um, today, but now it's like second nature. Like mm -hmm. the agents in the office will call me and they'll be like, Mary, what do I do in this situation? I'm like, ooh, I like to have the answer. Yeah. I like that. You do have um, all the answers. Well, I also want to uh, mention, too, that we also have Scap, uh, who is uh, also, I just brought him up on stage on Clubhouse as well, and I asked him on Saturday if he would join us, too, mm -hmm. because he is an appraiser. So, Scap, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Yeah, sorry, I had some technical difficulties there <laughs> trying to get my earbuds in, so sorry. But yeah, I am a 20-year certified appraiser in the Atlanta, Georgia metro area. I'm also a loan officer now. Yay. Uh, started a new company with that, so I'm tackling it from all sides. But uh, yeah, just 20-year certified appraiser here in Atlanta. Pretty much know everything 
that I need to know. And hopefully I can add some value to all of you out there uh, with the questions or on new construction and how appraisers see it. That's awesome. I'm so glad because on Saturday, what happened is uh, somebody had brought up a simple question for me, you know, and we were talking and one of the things was, it's interesting because we just had an appraiser come and all I have is studs there. So, you know, what is that whole process? And between SCAP and George, they'll be able to help us as we get into that whole process of, you know, why does the appraiser have to come if there's nothing there? And George can explain, you know, the whole process. Like Mm -hmm. if you, do you need a construction loan? Do you not? Can you get a conventional? And um, we'll talk more about that. But Mary, why don't we talk about one of the things that comes up the most is and what I'm I'm working with a couple people now because we have two subdivisions. So do you want to talk about them a little bit first? Certainly. So we have um, Cochise Estates in West Bridgewater, which is a 92 unit community. So we have duplexes and single families. Mm -hmm. We've been there probably just about two years. Um, And at this point, we're, I would say, just about at halfway through the community um, with the the back half of the community almost under agreement and mm-hmm. moving on. Um, so we'll probably be out of there, if I'm guesstimating, within the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have Cushing Trails, which is a 40-unit duplex community over here in Hanson. Mm-hmm. Um, so between the two, it's kind of nice. Um, Sharon and I, we, we both take one community mm-hmm. and we get to um, bump people back and forth between the two where Sharon um, is in the earlier stages. You're in the earlier stages of your community. You've mm-hmm. opened in September. Yep. Um, so you're in the process of getting models up there, but that's not stopping people from putting in reservations at this it's, point. Yeah, I mean, they're we, seeing ground, they're seeing construction, and they're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, they just have faith in it, and you know, that's the nice thing that we have is, you know, we work for Stonebridge Homes. Uh, they, you know, they market, you know, they yep. use us to market and and do marketing sales with them, and it's nice because I can bump people over so they can see what a finished product looks like. But like you said, I mean, it was slow a little bit at first, and then suddenly in slow. It was just the time of year and things yeah. like that. There wasn't really much to see. And even with it being in the, the state that it's in with just studs inside, we have, what, one, two, three, four. four. We have four, five. five, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we have five that are under agreement mm-hmm. right now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, things are moving along quickly over there. And then after the show, I have to uh, call another woman who's interested in putting in a reservation, too. So then we'll have another one. So. Yeah, so that forty goes quick <laughs> when, when you when you talk about it in that in that mm. in that context. And I'm guessing we'll probably be there two years, is what my guesstimate is yeah. over there. So at the pace that we're going, it will it will go by fast. So, but one of the main questions that people will say is, you know, that they're not familiar with that process and like getting me from you know foundation all the way to you know finished counters, you know, that process. Do you want to give people just an idea of how we do it at ours? Yeah, um, because it will actually lead into something for George as well. Um, So for us, if we're talking about a ground up, ground up construction, um, we we're not doing traditional offers the same way you would on a resale property. We have a reservation period. And what that does is reserve the lot and the house style that you're looking for to you for a period of two weeks. Usually, and that's most builders. Most Mm -hmm. builders will allow you to reserve a unit with some type of refundable deposit, typically, um, as you're having conversations, whether it's design, um, uh, customizations, whether you're talking about different options that you can feature in the house. 
um, those that's your time to kind of I call it the dating period, right? Mm-hmm. You're entering into like you're you're going out on a Tinder date, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Before you decide that you actually want to be in a relationship with somebody. Yeah. So reservation is dating, mm-hmm. and then once you get to purchase and sales agreement after those two weeks, that's when you're like, okay, I could. It's I could official see, on Facebook. Could, yeah, it's Facebook official. I can see a future <laughs> with this person, um, and that's where that's where the the. A larger mm-hmm. deposit would come into play that can be mm-hmm. anywhere from different builders do different things, but we, um, our builders require 10% for customizations, essentially, mm-hmm. 10% of whatever the purchase price ends up being. Um, and then oftentimes what people are asking in that conversation is how does the financing work? Is it a construction loan? Is it an enter- Is it a traditional loan, end-term loan? Are they actually paying, you know, the subcontractors or is the builder funding the project? Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it's always, for us, it's working with Stonebridge. They fund the project. Mm-hmm. Um, they build the houses. So you just put your deposit money down the same way you would um, a resale a resale property. Mm-hmm. And then they build it. Yeah. Um, but George, so that's, that's something for you. So oftentimes people will ask us, is it a traditional loan? Or is it a construction loan? And I always have lots of thoughts about pros and cons, mm-hmm. <laughs> pros and cons for both. Um, so if you want to talk about that a little bit, just to say, you know, the pro for a traditional loan versus um, or a pro for a construction loan. Yeah, and particularly with those two developments in particular, it, it really is just a the builder builds the beautiful, nice home and you are closing on that loan. Right. And that you have mm-hmm. a finished product mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And in terms of a lot of underwriting with mortgages, you know, we're looking at different risk profiles, but being delivered a finished product that basically it's on the builder to deliver that, yeah. right? Which is different than a traditional construction loan where we're, we're bringing in the builder, we've got to vet them, et cetera. This is a, hey, you're buying a finished home. Yeah. So in that instance, that really is just a standard, you know, most folks offer that that 30-year fixed type mm-hmm. of really really just standard mortgage and um, good point bringing up that kind of reservation versus the deposit versus with the purchase and sale and how much they're really putting down. You think that, Hey, 20% down a conventional loan, um, you know, that, that reservation can kind of turn into the deposit, which kind of can turn into your down payment with yeah. the mortgage. Mm-hmm. They can really all tie into one another, um, which can kind of be initially a, a popsicle headache for some folks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when you sit down and say, okay, X is leading to Y is leading to Z, okay, it all makes sense now. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people will confuse deposit and down payment, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. oftentimes they can, they can operate as one and the same with each other, mm-hmm. right? Your your deposit can be depending on what your down payment is, can be your down payment, or you can add more funds and do a larger down payment, but it's not necessarily a deposit. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> that we can go down. And I think too, I mean, just going for the standard type of loan versus a construct a construction loan. One, I don't know what the differences are when it comes to rates or any of that, but the construction loan is sort of, isn't it more? All right, we're going to give you this amount of money now. When you get to this stage, we'll give you more. Ma- yeah. We'll give you more mm-hmm. money, and it's like through this process. So I'm assuming at that point. So here comes a question for scap as well to go along with you george is is that you know is the appraiser coming back each time to verify that you know the these this is where the next step is or how do you handle that just gap if you want to jump in yeah you know so 
typically what happens is on new construction, the appraiser is going to get the plans and specs from the builder or from whoever is going to supply that. And they're going to do their initial appraisal off that and off those plans and specs. Now, things can change and things can change going forward. But that's why we do a final inspection at the end of the process. So we're going to do the initial process and say, okay, here's what we believe to be the opinion of value of the property as it's completed. So we're doing it as completed and we're doing a hypothetical to say, okay, this is what it's going to be when it's completed. Once the project is completed, the appraiser is going to go back out there and they're going to go and look at everything. They're going to make sure that everything's in check. They're going to look and remeasure the home. They're going to redo everything to make sure all these things are done properly and that the home is actually finished because we have to sign off at the end of the day on that final inspection saying, yes, everything in that plan and specs and budget and everything is actually completed. So we're not going out there every step of the way if things change. We're just going to do it off the initial, and then we're going to go back out there to verify that everything has been completed. And what do you do for situations where, like we're in New England, where, you know, the lawn can't be completed, the landscaping isn't completed, we don't have the final code on the driveway. How are you handling that with your final inspection? Are you just documenting that those things aren't completed yet? We will document it, but again, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the lender to decide how they want to proceed with that because it depends on where you are. I mean, obviously, down here in Georgia, things can get done that way. You can put down sod, you can get things completed. We're really looking at the home. Certain programs like FHA, USDA, they require certain things. So they do require that, okay, the lawn's in place, this is in place, this is in place. And You'll see that a lot of builders, they'll, they'll get that in place. It may not be you know permanent. They may have to go and redo it at the end of the day, but it's there as a final product. Whereas conventional, most of the time, they're not worried about the lawn. They're not worried about that. But it's also going to come down to what the lender actually requires and what program you're actually going to be involved in when you're getting your financing. Perfect. And George, so when it comes to the construction loan and those steps that, like, when are you handing out the money? Like, who's verifying that step one is done so you can give more money for step two to be started? And are they paying the, like, they paying the subs directly, the builder? Like, how does that all work? I'm not familiar with it because we don't do it that way. Yeah, that would be more for like a, a, you know, a straightforward construction loan that's coming in draws, right? So the foundation's poured, they get a fifth of the project, they come back and reinspect, um, And it's basically uh, different consultants, sometimes a HUD consultant that will come out and ensure that what has been done has been complete. Um, and then they basically get a draw. So it's really a process. Whereas the projects you guys are involved with, it's a little bit cleaner because like, mm, you're really mm-hmm. coming to that end that end result. Um, and really important to note, too, how, how Scott brought up, too, about that initial uh, plans and specs um, where, you know, you can come and get an appraisal basically about what's going to be completed, right? And even though there's not a house there, right? And that is important because when it comes for us to underwrite these folks that are buying a, a, a piece of real estate, right, is that what is the home going to be valued at can impact our borrower's mortgage, right? Because mm-hmm. not every borrower is putting 40% down. 
they could be 10% down. It all comes back to loan to value. So it is pretty interesting to see that based upon, hey, what is this product going to look like at the end of the day? How does it appraise now compared to what's out there? Mm -hmm. um, so actually, while you were talking about that, I was thinking in my head, a lot of times people get very confused by the financing pro process in new construction because of the appraisal and because of this hypothetical initial appraisal when the house isn't completed. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes we're hearing like, so just if we're using our sites as an example, our average is six months to build from the time we sign purchase and sales agreement for ground up, meaning the site work hasn't been done, no foundation is in. And the builder, because they're going to customize this house to your selections, wants you to have your commitment letter um, at, at least 60 days, but more pref well, so at least 90 days after you sign purchase and sales agreement, but more preferably 60 days. And oftentimes mm -hmm. I have buyers and buyer's agents that come back to us and say, well, how am I expected to have a commitment letter from my bank, from my lender, when the product hasn't been completed, when the unit isn't, isn't done? Because, you know, at... at 60 or 90 days, we might only be at framing. Um, we might right. only be at roughing. And in my experience, that's where this initial hypothetical appraisal comes into play because everything else for the loan process um, or from the buyer side can be completed, right? They can be fully vetted. They can be fully underwritten, essentially, with the exception of the project being completed. Is that correct, right? Exactly. It, knock on wood. You know, <laughs> yeah, knock on some wood. I, and I think we are still trending that way in the supply demand environment that we are in, right? But we are in an increasing appreciating real mm -hmm. estate market, right? Which yep. actually lends to the fact of buying a piece of, you know, getting your foot in the door with some new construction. You, you can sign that reservation and get your foot in the door. And by the time you get across the, the finish line, the thing might be up 5% in terms of value by the time you initially signed up. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're and experiencing where, that in our communities right, right now, mm -hmm. just as an FYI. Which is fabulous. But it goes back to, well, what if we're in a declining valuation market? And, and Well, when is that uh, really going to happen, George? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Especially around here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's, but that's it, it, the value of the piece of real estate that you're buying is a piece of the puzzle that gives you the mortgage commitment, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and like you mentioned, these these projects take time. So that piece of the puzzle, we can't wait until two weeks before closing yeah. to determine that piece of the puzzle. Yep, exactly. And and the reason it's so important for the builders, right, for to have that conditional commitment and for the buyers to be fully approved and underwritten and a conditional commitment subject to their portion, their performance, um, why it's important is because they've essentially built this house, customized it to you. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have that commitment letter until, to George's point, two weeks before closing and something happens, yeah. um, they are left with a product that you they customize to you to then resell, try and resell to somebody else. That's for them mm -hmm. a difference between, again, the construction loan, right? I would say a construction loan, you're very you're building a custom house. You're building a fully custom house working directly with your builder. Actually, Evis Mason, who works mm -hmm. here at the office, um, she's a real estate agent um, with our team, actually. She mm -hmm. did a custom home. She just built a home in um, Needham. Needham, I think, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, 
she was working directly with the builder, whereas here I I call us semi custom builders mm-hmm. with Stonebridge Homes we're semi custom, and they that's why they only take that ten percent. That's why it's a conventional loan um, because. Mm-hmm. You know, you have some customizations, but yeah. it's not the whole world. I mean, I could go crazy yeah. if I'm building a house. And Scap, I have another question for you as well, too. So when it comes to the appraisal part of this is, you know, you're looking at the specs and you're looking at exactly what they're getting. And then people do these upgrades, mm-hmm. right? So the upgrades, you know, you're not seeing the level of cabinets. Like you're just seeing, you know what I mean? Like how the, how are you appraising something that you're... That's a good question. You don't even know like the value of. Like, so we may have our base price, but then people upgrade two levels. How how are you figuring that out to appraise it? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. And initially when you sign your contract and, you, and I get those plans and specs, I'm going to try and obtain as much information, meaning I w- not only do I want the architectural plans of it, I want to know what you're actually paying for, what kind of upgrades you're going to be doing. Again, this can change halfway through where you say, oh, I want to do, you know, marble countertops instead of granite countertops. And instead of carpeting, I want this and this Mm -hmm. and this. So that's kind of why we do the final inspection. We go in, we look, but but you want to make sure that the appraiser understands that things have changed along the process. So you want to communicate with your lender partner you want to communicate with everybody to say okay everything's the same but they did additional upgrades they did this this and this so when i finally go out there and i look at everything my value may change you know it could possibly change at the end of it however i want to know what you're doing initially and if you can get more information to me of that you're doing all these upgrades prior to the construction or mid-construction when i come out to the property that's going to give me a level of knowledge and, and something to see and understand that you're doing all this to compare it the right way. Yeah, because, I mean, in some instances, I mean, when people are doing, even though it's semi-custom, I mean, you could have, and people ask me this question every single weekend when I'm doing, you know, open houses over there, and I'll say, you know, this is what our standard is. We have nine-foot ceilings, we have hardwood floors, you have a choice between this and that, blah, 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 and I go into the whole thing. And then I'll say, you know, but if you want to add a fireplace, you can do that. If you want to add this island, you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. So there are different things. If you want to add, you know, decorative benches, if you want to add, you crown know, molding. B- yeah, crown molding, um, built in shelving, like mm-hmm. all these things you can do, Wayne's code. I mean, there's so many things you can do. And people every week, uh, every single weekend will ask me, well, how much should I expect that I have to spend on upgrades? Like they think it's yeah. like one of those things where I'm trying to upsell them. And I'm really mm-hmm. not like you could live in the house the way that it's being built. It's really on choice. But there are people who will spend maybe maybe $10,000 for yep. upgrades. Then there are people who will spend 100,000. Yep, absolutely. Right? So some people want, you know, 30 extra recess lights and some people say please take out the recess lights. You know, it's really everybody relative. lives everybody lives differently. There is no in our experience there is no standard, right? Yeah. Um, so what Sharon and I have developed over um, our time working with the builder, we have lists of what we feel people will commonly upgrade across different sites to try and help guide people um, because it is such a hard um, 
thing to pin down, the yeah. upgrades aspect of it everything. It all comes to taste. And we did that show on Saturday. It was about the five senses. And we couldn't come up with anything for taste. But this is it. This right? is taste. It's your, your taste. taste. It's how what you want and what you need. Yeah. But again, I always worry, like the, the appraisal portion of it, it's like, okay, if somebody wants to upgrade and do $10,000 over our base price, all right, that's probably easy to figure out. But SCAP, what do we do when someone wants to add $100,000 worth of upgrades? Well, that's a great question again. You guys are killing with the questions. But (laughs) now you really are. But you have to remember, cost doesn't equate to value. So you have to remember that. So, you know, somebody might might want to do 10 grand in upgrades. It may not equate to them getting extra value in the property. Now, if we're yeah. talking, like if you're a price, yeah, if you're talking a price point, and I, you know, I'm from New Jersey, so I know how expensive things are up in the Northeast. <laughs> but if we're talking, if we're talking seven hundred thousand dollar home here, and you choose to do a hundred thousand dollars in upgrades, one, that's your personal choice that you're doing that. So it, again, it may not equate to actual being you know more valuable or having a higher value because you're choosing to do these things that's number one but number two it could be considered an over improvement for what the actual market area and what your community has so Mm. you kind of got to look at it as this is the standard for the community this is what's going on and these are a lot of the upgrades that we offer and do now if you have somebody that comes in says well i want to make this the magical palace you know, in this community, well, that could be considered an over-improvement where, okay, you spent all this money, but it's kind of your choice to do all of that. And you spent that money on that, but it's not similar or close to similar to what's going on in the market here. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's why some builders and some, you know, developers will require you to pay for your upgrades in advance. So it doesn't fall non-refundable, non-refundable. So it doesn't show up on the purchase and sales Mm -hmm. agreement and you don't have to worry about it that way. George, have you encountered any of this with some of your new construction? We have. Yeah. And well, at least not in terms of low appraisals or anything like that, but those, um, those really, those, those bells and whistles, right? Because you like Scap points out, does it necessarily equate for you put a dollar in, do you get a dollar fifty out in terms of value? Mm-hmm. Um, and it can just be, hey, this is our taste, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, a seven hundred K house with fifty K worth of your taste, does it mean it's now worth seven fifty or is it mm-hmm. still seven? Yeah, as Scap was talking and he said, and I wrote it down, it says cost doesn't equate to value. And I was thinking in my head, it, it's only valuable to you, really. <laughs> I mean, right. that's what it's that's where the value is, you know. I mean, it'll come down to any even resale property when you're talking about ROI. What's mm-hmm. I mean, when we go into into do a CMA, most people will say, okay, well, do you think I should do X, Y, and Z? Do you think I should mm-hmm. renovate the bathroom? Should, should I redo no. the floor? Should I paint the walls? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what is going to get you the most amount of money if you're going to do anything? Yeah. Number one, usually bathrooms and kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily the pretty finish work that everybody mm-hmm. kind of looks like on HGTV. And think about when we're talking about new construct. I mean, when we're talking about resale value mm-hmm. is that resale on properties as well. And, you know, when we're getting like we just put one of the people who are buying down there, we put their house on the market and then we got multiple offers that were over asking. And I always think of that over asking 
is, you know, I always tell people price your house according to the condition that it's in. Stay within the range that I'm saying this is a good suggested price range for you. But then if you get offers that are over that price, that's called emotional value Mm -hmm. to me. And it's almost the same thing with these, you know, upgrades that people are doing. It's like, I'm going to upgrade $100,000 because I really want it. So it's emotional value to them as the buyer. So... Um, all right. So um, to all of our WATD listeners, um, I almost forgot I was so deep into this conversation. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. I am Sharon McNamara, the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, which is the sponsor of um, our show here, Talk Real Estate Roundtable, along with the McNamara Horton Group. And I am here finally with my other side of my group. <laughs> Actually, this is the first time since we, know. Since we, we, we rebranded, we changed yeah. our name that I've been on. I've been waiting for you to change that last name of yours so <laughs> there well, you it's go official. It's, it's official it's official i remember when you and uh sam were facebook official and i got you guys a cake I, yeah i think so. I, I think a lot of people thought it was a pregnancy because <laughs> yeah, it was it, it said it, it it's was official bl- it was in blue writing that said it's official yeah <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oopsie but it was well, facebook official we'll do that when the yeah. pregnancy announcement yeah. comes along so um i know that we have a couple uh people that are up on stage with us and then there are a couple that are down below in clubhouse uh, if anybody does have a question, feel free to raise your hand. And um, hey, I Sharon, will... yeah, we do have a, a text question coming into oh, the okay. studio here. Okay, uh, it's from Janice and Carver. Okay, and she's asking when does the seller need a new realtor if the listing isn't selling? Oh, oh. that's that's really touchy. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, so. I guess it really is depending. So this is what I would always suggest to somebody. If you have your home listed and it isn't selling, generally I will say it comes down to price. Mm -hmm. I mean, if your price isn't, you know, lining up with what the condition is and the location is, the market right now is wonderful. So there really shouldn't be a reason why it isn't selling. Mm -hmm. And I think he said she was from Carver, right? Mm -hmm. I know that one of our agents in the office, Tracy Grady and her husband, Jim Grady, full-time real estate agents here at Boston Connect Real Estate, they had a development in Carver that sold in about an eye blink. So Carver is, you know, very, very desirable, um, you know, for a lot of people. Um, If it isn't selling, I would, you know, strongly recommend that you're looking at the price and the condition, make sure it's, it's matching up. And, you know, this is the best advice that I can give you is to have a conversation with your agent. That's what I was going to say. You have to be able to have transparent conversations. They might be tough, tough ones to hear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might have a tough opinion and they might give you one back. But ultimately, that's that's the service that you're asking to be provided to you is honesty. Um, So hopefully Mm. by having that conversation, you can get some honest feedback and figure out a way to move forward. Yeah. And, you know. It's hard because you're under contract, so I can't even give you advice, and that is advice. And I'm only giving it to you through this radio show. I'm not trying to manipulate you to do one thing or another. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be very clear about that because there is another agent on the other side, and I do consider other agents, doesn't matter what color logo they wear, we're all colleagues. Colleagues, Uh, But I would definitely, and I think her name was Janice, I would definitely start there, Janice, and just have that conversation with your agent and just say, you know, I'm I'm a little disappointed that we haven't gotten any offers yet. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you have gotten offers and you haven't accepted them. I don't know that because we're not having back and forth dialogue here. But certainly just sit down and say, can you please give me some suggestions of why you think this isn't selling? What can we do to you know, make it more marketable. And if you can't come to terms with each other, you can ask if the contract can be canceled or not. I mean, 
That's the reality. It, it, that's the reality of it. But, and I agree with you, Mary. As professional real estate agents, sometimes we have to give advice um, that isn't easy to receive, mm-hmm. but it's what our job is. Yep. Like people sometimes like in you know, maybe, and I don't know your agent, I don't even want to know where your house is, to be quite honest right now, you know, Um, maybe they're just, you know, afraid to say, hey, your house, I'm just going to use this as an example. Hey, your house really, you know, the feedback we're getting is that it, you know, it smells like dogs and cats and things like that. Um, Maybe that's some of the feedback that she's getting. She should be getting feedback if she's getting showings or he, Um, but just really look deep into those. Absolutely. I think it's all about transparency and, and honesty. Mm-hmm. If you can have those tough conversations, it's not abandoned ship just because you're not getting the results that you want immediately. It's mm-hmm. okay, you've you've entered into this contract with somebody, so let's figure out how we how we make it work. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I mean we haven't we've been you know, I've been in this industry for twenty one years. I opened Boston Connect in twenty ten. You and I have you started as my assistant uh, when you were a little baby in twenty one. <laughs> now you're thirty four, thirty five. Yeah, thirty four. Thirty four, okay. Um prematurely aging me. yeah but um <laughs> you know you've been doing this a long time with me and you know we we we've been very fortunate that all of our listings have sold and i think really look into the marketing and the advertising i know for us it's always professional photography yeah. um it's always it's a brand you know, it's appearance it is a good example you know a good remarks and good you know just getting it out there and getting it out there in a positive light yeah, absolutely. So, well, and I wish you luck, Janice, with Ditto. all of that. And, you know, definitely have a conversation with your agent, and hopefully that will help you get to the next stages. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Where were we? <laughs> so. Well, something that – so we haven't really ta- – we actually dove in kind of headfirst into the financing aspect of new yeah. construction financing and appraisals. And I think that's probably the the more complicated aspect, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So if if we scared anybody away – there's so but there's so many really awesome parts about new construction that we haven't really gotten to touch upon just yet um some pros being that you're you're building this brand new house and fully customizing it to you so let's not be fearful of those upgrades let's you know we call it building the dream house mm-hmm. everybody's um, main instinct is to well i'm building it i might as well do it now sometimes yeah. you mm-hmm. don't have to do those things which is where i was saying george earlier you can still diy some stuff um, just get the stuff that's really, really hard to do done now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, hardwood stairs, doing those after the fact can be pretty extensive. But mm-hmm. doing it with the builder is much more affor- affordable mm-hmm. in our experience. Mm-hmm. And doing a lot of people will bring up doing the basement and things like that. Yep. So I think that there's, you know, maybe you financially, that's actually another good scap question too. And George, when people want to add on oh, yeah. that basement oh, and yeah. they want to finish that basement, I'd yep. love to have that topic. I can't believe we only have six minutes left. Let me finish my thought on that before we go to them though. <laughs> <laughs> is um, But with that, um, you know, when people do ask us about finishing the basement, you know, do I did some math out for some some a woman yesterday that I'm helping, and I'm going to be talking to her after the show as well. And you know, she was looking between two units, and she said, "Well, I think I like the smaller unit at 570, and then I'll finish the basement." And then I was like, "Well, I really think that this, you know, the other model at 630 would work better for you." I said, "I know it sounds like an upsell, but you're telling me you need more square footage, and now you're gonna." And I did out the math of how much it would cost. I was like, for that additional like eight, uh, 700, 800 square feet you, that you're putting in the basement, it's going to cost you about $62,000, okay, yeah. if you do it directly with the builder. If 
you buy the um, the other house it's, with the square footage with the square footage already. <laughs> yeah, it's sixty thousand dollars. So there, I just saved you, and the square footage is above grade. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so. I, I completely agree with you, but I'm interested to see what yeah. um, Scap and yeah, George have to say. Scap, George, what do you have to say about finishing the basement when you're doing new construction? Scap, I'll let you dive in and dive into that below grade valuation because that that is oh. a sticking point, and <laughs> I'll let you jump right in there. Thanks, George. I really appreciate you throwing me under your bus here. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> I'm of the so mindset you... that it, usable square footage that if a family's going to use that space, in my mind, it's space, right? In, in, but yeah, explain for the people. <laughs> I completely agree with you. But there's a couple things out there, especially in the appraisal process, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, your your big lenders out there, they basically came out and basically said that they're adopting what's called ANSI standards. ANSI standards basically says that if one part of the house is below grade, it's all below grade. So think about having a house that you're driving up the road and it's you you got the stoop there to the front door and you you know it slopes down to the back and you can walk out your basement. Yes. That's your basement, and here here's a lot of here's something that a lot of people don't understand. It's cheaper to actually pour concrete for a basement than it is to build your first floor and second floor with all the lumber costs, roof, everything else that goes into. It. Wow. So basements, when you take everything out of the way, if you just look at three houses in a row and just picture this, you have house number one on the left side. And it's got a completely unfinished basement. House number two decided, well, I, I'm going to finish off half my basement and leave the other half unfinished. And then house number three completely finished their basement. Driving by all three of those houses, you know one thing. You know that the first floor and second floor are exactly the same. You know that they're finished off. You know that those have the standards of the builder or, or even on a resale. You know those houses have finished square footage. Anybody can finish off a basement any way they want. Typically, you'll see out there that a lot of basements aren't finished to the standards of the house. So if your house has recessed lighting and drywall on the ceiling on the first and second floor, you go down to the basement, and what do they got? Shag carpeting from the 70s and a drop ceiling. <laughs> okay? Because that's the way they chose to finish it off. Mm -hmm. Some people have chose to put in a bathroom. They may put in three bedrooms. They may put in a rec room or a theater. You can finish off your basement any way you want. However, the first and second floor of that house are going to be finished to the standards of the community, finished to the standards of what the market is out there. So basements are always valued separately. Now, when it comes to valuating a, a, a basement, it depends on a couple factors. One, the quality of the finishes. Two, how much is finished of it. Three, is you know what are what are the items that they put decided to put down in those basements. Now, a lot of basements don't have ingress egress for for actual uh, bedrooms mm -hmm. or don't have windows. It's just a solid concrete you know walls and then they just put up some walls and they said here here's a bedroom my teenage son go live in you know <laughs> get away from me being upstairs yeah. yep you know that's that's your area now does that constitute a bedroom no it doesn't because no. it doesn't have ingress egress so you have to look at these factors and understand that a basement is a basement 
regardless of what you do down there, but it will add value. The more you finish it, the better it's going to be for you. It's going to add more value. Mm -hmm. The quality of the finishes are going to add more value. But here's the most important thing to remember. The market is what's going to determine how much that that basement is worth. Emotional okay, value. so you gotta, <laughs> yeah, you That's just can't throw a, yeah. you can't, can't throw a theater room down there with all the bells and whistles and automatically think that my basement's no. better than my next door neighbor's That's basement. Time. I know, and Scap, you know what? You're leading us out. We're here at seven o'clock, so maybe next week we can continue this conversation. Mary, can you join me? We'll talk more things new construction. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe she can do join me on Saturday. But thank you, you guys. My music is rolling us out, so I don't want to get in trouble. You can find me on bostonconnect.com. I can get you the information for all of our great um, guests that we had here with us, Scap and George. Thank you so much for joining me today. Mary, thanks for being with me. Larry, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you Saturday morning at 8 a.m., 8 to 9. I hope you can join us. Bye, Larry. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody.